Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the Leadership Window, and welcome to almost 2021. I know that those of you that are out there listening, if you're listening within uh, a couple of days or so of the recording of this podcast, you're probably sitting there anxiously awaiting 2020 to come to an end. And I want to admonish us all to not do that. Never wish away your time. There's a reason for the here and the now. Let's be present right now. So here's an opening question for you. Since today's episode is going to focus on the theme of questions. What will you do with today? What will you make of today? And what are you prepared to make for 2021? How will it be different for you? I'm not going to go any further into my question asking for you. I might ask a couple of more at the end of this episode, but this episode is really going to be a replay of my recent TEDx Greenville talk. And uh, boy, we were so excited to get on the TEDx stage. Uh, This is my first, this was my first TED talk. So I thought, boy, this is going to be great. We're going to have a great live audience in this sort of intimate auditorium, three or 400 people. TEDx Greenville is known uh, around the world for being one of the top TEDx uh, organized events and one of the most viewed and kudos to Russell Stahl and the entire team in Greenville for building this reputation and really for creatively pivoting. Thank you again, Grace Ann Alfiero for that term earlier this year. Uh, What a creative pivot. What a what an innovative, creative, determined uh, set of ideas that Russell and his team put together to make this happen. We were scheduled for TEDx Greenville on March 28th of 2020. And we all know what happened. Uh, TEDx did not happen on March 28th. There's this pandemic that took place. And so the first thing they did was said, well, let's postpone it. Well, let's not write it off yet. We'll try to get back together in October or November and put this on. And hopefully the pandemic will have run its course and it won't be as bad as we're all thinking it might be. And of course, that didn't happen. So instead of just scrapping it, which they could have done, it could have easily said, look, you you know, like a lot of conferences and events, we're just not going to hold it this year. We'll come back in 2021. Everybody, you know, get ready, have a great year and we'll be back and it's all going to be good. Instead, they said, no, we really want to make this happen. Ted is all about ideas worth spreading. So let's see what ideas we can come up with. Ticket creative. That's really the whole spirit of TED to begin with is this this sort of innovative thinking. This uh, the theme of TEDx Greenville this year was called brain candy. What a great what a great term brain candy. Uh, Let's just really tease and tickle and, and give our brains the taste of the sweetness that comes with the ideas worth spreading. So I was really excited about it. My talk was on the uh, returning to our primal learning tool, which is the question. And uh, this happened in a really unique way. Russell and his team was able to put were able to put together a, a TEDx event on stage with the professional camera crew and, and the entire thing and a very small socially distanced audience. 
and yet still present a TEDx event live over the internet virtually. We've seen this done with television shows and reality TV and some of the talent shows and things that they've done this year to keep from just scrapping everything on TV. But for uh, Russell and his team to put this together for TEDx was just extraordinary. And I'm just, after all the disappointment of not having that same sort of live audience feel, I'm actually really proud now to say I was a part of this unique TEDx event because believe me, this, this truly was a unique event. So uh, I'd like for you to listen really carefully to this. This episode is really just the audio version of my TEDx talk. You can see it online. It's at TED.com. It's also on YouTube. Just uh, search Patrick Jinx when you get to either one of those and, and uh, Patrick Jinx TEDx and this will come up. Uh, but this is the audio version. Thought our, we'd throw it out there for our listeners. And I think it's really appropriate as we wrap up 2020 to give this particular talk some consideration. I hope this will have some value for you. I hope it will open your thinking about what 2021 might bring. And we'll come back at the end of the 12 and a half minutes or so of the talk and, uh, and wrap this up. So here it is with no further ado, returning to our primal learning tool, the question, my TEDx talk uh, aired live on November 6th of 2020. What is the job of a question? What does a question do? What's its purpose? Anybody in here familiar with an organization called the Right Question Institute, by show of hands? Well, as a teaching member of the Institute, what if I told you they had charted the relationship between the number of questions students ask in school and their engagement levels in school? Why is it that over the course of our school career, reading and writing activities increase exponentially while students asking of questions falls off a cliff. And what does it say that during that same period over our school careers, student engagement plummets by over 30%? You wanna know something interesting about the power of a question by the time we get to college? Do you know there was a study done by researchers at Kutztown and Miami universities that discovered that college psychology students who were asked four simple questions just prior to their test, score higher on their test. Want to know the four questions? What's one thing you've learned in this class? Why is what you've learned important? How can you apply what you've learned in your life? And what questions still remain? Now, what do you think the test scores were for the students that were asked those four questions before they went into their test. What if I told you in college that I knew a way for you to score 15% higher on your next exam? How does that work? What about here? How many new concepts and learning and ideas are we getting from this TEDx conference? If the TEDx organizers were to stop each of us on the way out or pull us online immediately after the conference and ask us, what's one thing you learned in this conference? Why is what you've learned important? How can you apply what you've learned in your life and what questions still remain 
do you think our retention level of what we learn here would be higher? Are you willing to conduct a little live experiment with me here? How many by show of hands would say that over the next six months you intend to purchase a new car? Anybody? How many would say you intend to purchase a new car sometime within the next year? How about two to three years? Do you know we just increased car sales by 37% over the next six months among the members of this audience. Now, how is that possible? Before I tell you, can I ask you one more question? How many of you would be surprised to know that since I walked out onto this infamous red circle, I have yet to utter a single sentence that didn't end in a question mark? Would you believe me? How many of you can't wait to go back and watch the video and test me on this? <laughs> Why would I do that? Do you think that it has commanded at least the slightest increase in your attention level to this talk? Do you think that maybe it would have created even the slightest increase in your retention level of this talk? Now, how many of you are ready for me to stop playing the question game? <laughs> Okay, I'll stop. I promise I'll come back as well to the how we just increased car sales. But before I do, let me pause and give you a brief explanation of what's been happening in your brains over the last five minutes. Now, I'm not a scientist. I think the uh, program of the website says I'm a strategic questioner, which sounds kind of like a scientist, but I'm not. The scientists will say that when we're asked a question, the brain releases a chemical called serotonin that has a relaxing effect on the brain. Now, you might think that questions actually raise tension and anxiety. And you might be right. If the stakes are high, if it's a courtroom witness stand or a job interview, that might be true. But when questions are framed properly and in the right context, the serotonin actually has a calming effect on the part of the brain that's needed to pursue the answers. And what happens is it frees your brain from all the other distractions of other thoughts. In fact, it makes your brain focus on the question. Neuroscientists call this instinctive elaboration. Would you like to experience instinctive elaboration? Okay. Without looking and without saying it out loud, what color are the shoes that you're wearing right now? Wait for it. You just experienced instinctive elaboration. I gave you no other choice but to think about the color of your shoes. None of you, when I asked that question, were thinking about where you're eating tonight or what you have on your plate at work next week. Why? Because the question literally made your brain incapable of thinking of anything else. That's the power of a question. Here's how it works. For example, in sports, if I'm a tennis coach trying to teach you how to hit a good tennis ball, I'm going to tell you over and over and over, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball, because that's what you're supposed to look like, look at when you play tennis. Now, the problem is we're not too good at following instructions when our brains are distracted by something else, like the sweat rolling into our eye or the net or the lines on the court. So an effective coach might change it up a little bit 
And while he's hitting the ball to the tennis student, he might say, which direction is the ball spinning when it gets to your racket? Now, what's the first thing the tennis student has to do in order to answer that question? You got it. Got to look at the ball. The tennis coach literally freed their mind from the net and the opponent on the other side and the crowd and the lines and the racket positioning in their hand. You have to look at the ball. Now, not only does the coach now get the student to look at the ball, but now the student also understands a little bit about why they need to look at the ball. I'll give an example of how question works in a real life coaching situation. I was coaching a client, uh, an insurance executive in Virginia a number of years ago, and she was having a conflict with a coworker. And she asked me, do you think it's time for me to take this to the CEO? Now, I could have answered it one way or the other, probably could have made a good case for either direction, but then I own the solution, good or bad, succeed or fail, and I don't want that. <laughs> so I paused and asked her a question. I said, what would be the upsides and the downsides? She paused. And in just a few seconds, she started nodding and she goes, man, man, you're right. <laughs> I'm right? What did I say? I asked you a question. She said, no, no, but you're right. I need, I definitely need to, to, I think I need to go to the CEO. I think it's time. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I did not tell you to go to the CEO. I'm asking you, what are the upsides and the downsides? She goes, no, I know, I know, but you're right. I need, <laughs> three times she told me I was right. What was happening there? She knew the answer before she asked the question, but she didn't know she knew the answer. She needed the question to unlock the answer. That's how it works. Now, let me go back to our car experiment, because I promised you I'd tell you how we increased car sales by 37%. Actually, what we did is a small replication of a study done in 1993 by three researchers for the Journal of Consumer Research. And what they did is they had a control group and an experimental group. And in the experiment group, they asked them the same questions I asked you. Do you intend to purchase a car in the next six months, the next year, the next two, three years? The experiment group that got asked those intention questions purchased cars over the next six months at a rate 37% higher than the control group. Here was the research question. Does measuring intent change behavior? Does measuring intent change behavior? Turns out it does, which is why plagiarism forms work in college. I remember the first time I filled out one of those pledges that I won't plagiarize and turned it in. I looked at my friends and said, are they kidding me? They think this is really going to stop plagiarists? <laughs> you know, is that a word? Turns out it does. It doesn't eliminate plagiarism, but it greatly reduces it. Why? Because they're measuring intent. Now, since we're talking about learning, let's back it up to when we're wee little kids. There's a study done by The Telegraph in the UK a number of years ago that found that the average four-year-old in Britain asks over 300 questions a day. In fact, four-year-old British girls ask 400 questions a day. The boys only ask 300. This probably explains why when we grow up, we don't stop and ask directions when we get lost but I digress. The fact is that early education research tells us that our brains are 90% developed by the time we're five years old. 90% brain development in the first five years of our lives. Don't you think those hundreds of questions a day play a part in that development? So why and when do we stop? 
how much learning is lost over the next 50 years of our lives because we stop asking those questions. So let's recap. I asked you in the beginning of this talk, what was the job of a question? And the easy answer is to elicit an answer, to learn something, find something out. And that's true, that's one thing a question does. But we just learned that questions increase engagement. We just learned that questions improve recall. Questions sharpen focus. Questions amplify intent and even change behavior. So what do we do with this? Well, I'll leave that to you, but with a few questions. What if, as parents, we did a little less lecturing to our kids and a little more inquiring about their hopes, dreams, aspirations, fears, challenges, likes, dislikes, values? What if, as business leaders, we did a little less directing and order giving and a little more coaching and empowering by drawing out the best of our team through questions? Now imagine this, what if politicians at town hall meetings had to sit on a stage like this and look out into the audience and instead of fielding questions, they had to ask the audience questions and just listen to what the audience thinks about things. <laughs> what if we all returned to our primal method of learning, innovation, and creativity, the question? I'll leave you with this. What's one thing you learned or picked up from this talk? Why is that important? How can you use it in your life? And what questions does it generate for you? Thank you for sharing this time with me. So, here is my closing thought for you for 2020. What's one thing you learned in 2020? <laughs> Probably a lot of things, but what's one key thing you've really learned from this past year, during this past year? Why is that important? Why is what you've learned important? How can you apply what you've learned in 2020 to 2021 and beyond? And what questions do you have? Let me ask that last one a little bit differently. What questions should you be asking yourself as you move into 2021? What questions should you be asking yourself? If you had an executive coach, what should an executive coach be asking you as you head into 2021? Folks, I wish you an amazing, extraordinary, off the chart 2021. Thank you for helping us make 2020 an extraordinary year for the Jinx Perspective. Those of you that are listeners and viewers of our YouTube channel and clients and readers of our books and blogs and everything else. And those of you that are out there doing it, making the world a better place every single day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's get to writing those questions down for 2021. We'll see you here in 2021. Lead on. <laughs>